Hey everybody, this is Mike. I want to start today a little bit different than normal, or whatever qualifies as normal when Chris and I get together and do one of these. But I do think it's important to talk to you first before you listen to what follows. This is shaping up to be a sad day at the university. We're learning about some inevitable decisions relative to finances and employment at the university. We have a story up on the homepage now about furloughs and salary cuts and even job cuts in the athletic department that will be announced this afternoon. Like everything else in this situation, it's not limited to sports. We just talk about sports here, but this is going to affect the university as a whole too. We're looking at perhaps hundreds of people who are going to be affected by this. We know that now. We did not know that when we initially recorded this episode. Before Chris and I recorded this morning, we received an email that said the athletic director, Shane Lyons, would have a virtual news conference with reporters this afternoon. This is not unusual. He did it April 1st, which we mentioned West Virginia has used a lot of coaches to connect with the media and the fans during this time in the same way. However, this was unusual because it was announced the day of, it was four o'clock. It wasn't announced in advance. It wasn't 11 a.m., which is what has been the routine for all of these head coaching and even Shane Lyons virtual news conferences. As you listen to the program that follows, you'll tell that Chris and I are wondering what it could be about, and it becomes pretty clear in the middle of it as the words are coming out of our mouth and as they're being recorded that we know what's up. And we do mention the old Friday at 3 o'clock phenomenon where people find out that, hey, come into your boss's office at 3 o'clock on a Friday and you find out you don't have a job anymore. That was not meant to be lighthearted or joking. Unfortunately, it's accurate. This is going to affect, like we said, a lot of people in athletics. This is going to affect people I know. Um, so please don't think that we were having fun with it, that we were joking about it. Obviously, not what we want, not what anybody wants right now. So I just wanted to add that at the beginning here. Hopefully what follows is more palatable and this kind of put a personal touch on it. More importantly, uh, thoughts go out to everybody who's been affected by this. And a reminder, man... If you can do something to help somebody here, do it. That's what's most important right now. We'll get back eventually, but when we do, let's make sure we do it as a whole. Thanks. Hello, once again, welcome back. This is Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Happy to be back and sad to say, one of the things I did not think I'd be getting sick of during the pandemic, and there's a long list of things I thought I'd be getting sick of. Snow was not on that list. <laughs> and I'm looking at the forecast and uh, high chance of snow here. We've kind of gone back and forth between sunny days and, and gray, miserable days. I get sniffles and my allergies act up this time of year and I start freaking out because maybe it's the big one. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with outside and inside right now. Uh, but here to add sense to it all is Chris Anderson. How's your weather down there? Not bad. Uh, kind of nice, I, but we're not getting snow. But that whole, all that effort I put into planting some new flowers and building a garden with my son and all this stuff, that's going to be out the window, I think. If uh, I think the next two nights it's supposed to get down to freezing and might kill everything that we just planted. So that's nice bags over the bushes and flowers and everything i i think i might have to i gotta figure out i don't have burlap around the house but uh might be throwing some beach towels on top of of uh of the garden and the flowers later today can't have nice things no 
let's jump into topics today, Chris, um, because we have a busy day and we just found out pressing record here that the athletic director will have a Zoom conference call at 4 p.m. Let's just randomly speculate here. Um, this pops up at nine o'clock on a Friday morning and he says he's going to talk to us at four o'clock on a Friday. These things have generally been announced days in advance. You know, on a Friday, you'll get the schedule for the following week. If not, you get an 11 a.m. time for um, all these regularly scheduled ones. This is day of and meet me at 4 p.m. This is not two. This is not Tuesday, four o'clock, Jerry West Lounge, but this is four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. I'm wondering, could this be somewhat significant or is this just this is the first time he's been able to talk in more than a month and let's get him out there sooner rather than later? I don't believe it's the first time he's been able to talk in over a month. Uh, I'm assuming he's like right. most of us and has been stuck at home with nothing to do. I mean, obviously, I think he's got stuff to do, important conversations to have about a variety of issues because of this pandemic. But four o'clock on a Friday, last minute notice. I Usually that means bad news. I, I, I think we've been trending in the good news direction, at least as far as uh, West Virginia is concerned, you know, obviously, um, the talk about, uh, where was I going with that? Oh man, I, I got stunned there. My phone went off and it wasn't even anything important, yeah. um, about the students coming back in the fall that they, they intend to have students back in the fall. So I would think that if Shane Lyon is going to talk, that it would follow along that same path of, we intend to, or plan to, you know, have football. But Friday, 4 p.m., that's that's very rarely, if ever, good. You had a Friday, 3 p.m. meeting a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, one that uh, made can't. me think that maybe you and I might not be working together much longer. But Here we are, yeah. I, I worked at the, the Charleston newspapers for many years, and I worked at papers that didn't publish on Saturdays and Sundays, and um, which meant I didn't work on Fridays or I wasn't supposed to work on Fridays. I still worked a lot of Fridays. Funny how that worked. And I was always scared to death of like the, the, uh, three Oh four five, five, two numbers coming through. And I was like, I'm not answering that at three <laughs> o'clock on a Friday afternoon. So this is weird. Um, uh, I, I'm wondering here, this could be one of two things. Um, so it could be a couple things we're, we're joking about Friday, 4 PM stuff. Um, I mean, there, there have been national, uh, stories about employee furloughs, pay cuts, um, sports going away. I'm not saying anything like that, but that would be something that you could talk about. And it does kind of fit our goofy theme here about people disappearing from their profession at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. But I also do know that, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the university said that they were, I think I'm forgetting how they phrase this, but 10% salary redistribution where it goes back into the university or you could donate it to a charity. And it was for senior administration officials, of which Shane Lyons is one, I thought. So I was wondering, you know, hey, would that affect athletics at all? Have they made decisions, you know, across the campus, you know, to the Coliseum and to the football stadium and all that stuff, other sports? I was told no, that actually Lyons is putting a plan together there. This could be something along those lines. And, um, you know, hey, good on them for making sure that the 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. news has some content for that. That's fine. Um, but it could be something like that. It could also be that, like, Shane Lyons is just like every other 18-year-old kid who's jumping out and taking commitments, and he just wants to talk right now because he's seeing everybody else do it. He's seeing Jack Swarbrick, and he's seeing, uh, you know, Joe Castiglione, and all these guys are talking, and, and, like, 
Shane is not just an athletic director. He happens to be the chairperson of the football oversight committee, which is a huge responsibility right now. So um, it may be time for him to talk in, in so many ways. And this feels like kind of a must see, must zoom occasion here. So he's bored. Is he going to pull an Oregon or is he going to pull um, a Missouri and, and come out and say the football's going on? Because I don't know if, I think it was last night. Uh, just last night, Thursday night, that the Oregon athletic director, right, they came out and said there will be no fans, or no, the governor said it, so I guess it wasn't the athletic director, but said there will be no sporting events through the end of September, meaning that even if Oregon University decides to come back with football, there will be no fans in the stands for their first couple home games. Um, I don't think we're going that down that path, but who knows? I didn't see that one coming, at least not at this point. It better be something. <laughs> it better not just be, "Hey, how's it going? Haven't seen you guys. I miss you." Things like that. Um, it's I don't I don't know what to expect here. Um, but he's uh, there's a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since then, and I think people probably looked at his words when he spoke to us. Oh boy, beginning of April into March, it's been more than a month, and and said, "Oh boy, that's optimistic and maybe not realistic." Well, his optimism does look realistic now, so maybe he's just coming back to spike the football. I told you one of those things. Let's move on to more relevant topics and something that we could talk to him about. Um, I wrote something today. It's up on the site now. If you are a VIP, you can check it out. If not, you can talk to people who have read it and maybe they can talk you into checking it out about attendance in college football and some interesting data in there about just what's happening. And it's, it's a national trend. Uh, the attendance in 2019 nationally was the lowest it had been since 1996. That's not good, but it's also not new. I think everybody knows that college football is fighting the battle with the 60 inch television and the at home experience. And it's cheaper, easier, quicker to experience games that way now. But within that was kind of a, a, an interesting revelation that I had not really noticed before that some of the attendance slide has to do with season ticket slides. We're talking from the first year of the Dana Holgerson era to the first year of the Neil Brown era, about 9,500 fewer season tickets, which is a pretty big number. I have many theories about that, many thoughts about that that maybe aren't germane here. But um, if the attendance is pretty much flat overall, the difference between Dana year one and Neil year one is not much, but the season ticket number is massively different. That still means people are coming to games. Um, and that still means that you can get attendance. West Virginia is better than average when it comes to national attendance. And it kind of leads to a strange thing that, listen, attendance is going to stink in 2020, whether fans are in the stands or not. But they're probably going to have a great appetite to come back in 2021. And this just feels like a 15-month runway to figure out how to make Mountaineer Field or how to make your football stadium, wherever you are, the place to be. It has to be a destination where I want to get out of my den. I've been locked up for too long. I missed the 2020 season, whatever. I want to go and watch a football game. I want to tailgate. I want to sing country roads. I want to watch touchdown passes. I want to scream at interceptions, whatever. It just feels like that now is the time. And as I said in the story, like they're on the clock. Everybody's on the clock as to how to use this time to take advantage of what I think is going to be a, a, a real big anticipation for the 2021 season. Fair. I have a couple thoughts on everything you just broke down there and from your story on attendance. Let's go down that first path that you were just on of mm -hmm. this, this runway. I'm curious. I am extremely curious about which way this is going to go. Cause as you mentioned, 
will it build up because people haven't been able to see it for so long if there's restrictions on attendance and they need to get back and get into the stadium and want to see live football? Or will people be at home this season watching football and be, and even more people will be like, crap, this ain't bad sitting at home, not paying $10 for a beer and being crowded around a bunch of people and spending four hours getting to and from a game and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, watching on my 70-inch TV and not having to worry about it. Um, it's – I'm curious which way it's going to go because I, I could see people going either way. I have to see live sports or, oh, man, watching from home wasn't that bad. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, if they're going to – athletic departments are taking haircuts every year because season tickets are down or the gates are down. And that's not changing. And they probably have been adapting to that for a long time. It's going to be – I think we can agree no matter what happens. If football comes back, if they kick off on time, they kick off, you know, six weeks late, whatever. Even under ideal circumstances in these reimagined scenarios, it's going to take a big hit. Season tickets and the gate are going to take a hit. And you're right. If people have been getting pushed away, why would you come back unless you have a really good reason? Here's here's an analogy. I have a friend who uh, who went vegan and of years ago and was just like, hey, this is great. I feel good. Body's great good decision for my life. Um, vegan was kind of hard to do at the beginning of the pandemic because shopping and getting your groceries and your Insta click in your cart and had some slippage. And now it's like eating burgers <laughs> and chicken salads and things like that. And it's like, man, I really like meat. And I wonder, is he going to go back to vegan? Because he liked what he's getting to experience now, um, remembers that it was fun. Um, similar thing here um would you go back to what was a change for you before um or do you like what you have now this is going to be what people experience and again it's not so much that listen the 2020 numbers are going to be an outlier but it's going to jump off a cliff from 2019 and, and what we're going down toward there i get that do you go back up do you stay at that cliff level or do you descend from there? That's the real big deal. Like if it's descending, that's fine. If you continue to descend after you fall off a cliff, that's a really big deal too. So I think what you're saying is hundred percent true. Um, it, it's a big, big topic that I would imagine people are trying to figure out. And when do you start planning? I don't know, but um, yeah. How do you get them back? Do you get them back? And do people even want to come back? And here's, my other thoughts on your attendance, and, and I'm going to start it off with a shameless promo, but I'm going to tie it back into your story, what you talked about, and now that I think about it, something you tracked, I believe it was last year. Um, first off, you're talking about season tickets being way down, but the actual in-per-game attendance being not that far off. Uh, when people ask you to get season tickets, or in our case, ask you to get an annual a yearly VIP membership. The ins we incentivize you by offering a crazy discount or offering it at a cheaper price than paying it month by month or in the example of football, game by game. So for now, by the way, Friday ends tonight, 60% off annual VIP. But when you look at the football thing and the season tickets, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You pay the season ticket price and the face value of each of those individual games is somehow still higher than if you went out and bought game by game by game tickets. And I can't remember where your research uh, ended up, but you tracked it. And I can't believe where you picked the seats or were you getting better seats, even if you went game by game, you know, getting it off a third party uh, site. And 
you saved a ton of money and I think had better seats. Just go in game by game instead of season tickets. You're going to get me in trouble here. <laughs> this is not a popular experiment that I did. I can promise you. And like, I was like, I was doing this before the game. All right. What I did. Uh, here we go. I think season tickets are a racket. Just my personal opinion. Uh, they I'm, are. You, I'm if you rem- offer yeah, okay. a long-term commitment, you have to give it at a discount. You can't charge more for a long-term commitment than you do an individual game. And also, like, please pay me this fee in order to pay me more money. Never squares with me. Um, I understand that a nation goes somewhere. That's cool. I get it. Um, I understand the concept. I just think it's a racket. And I understand that people are committed to this and they love the experience. And I'm not involved in this at all. I haven't had season tickets ever, and I likely never will. And I probably won't be allowed to at this point. But it's just not something that that lines up with me. And I have friends and family members who do. My wife's had football season tickets forever. Um, Full disclosure, I've had a baseball season ticket at WVU for a long, long time. It's not even near the same. But, like, my wife and her friends have it. My schedule slows down a lot in the spring. I can actually go out and hang out with my wife and friends at a baseball game. Uh, have a pop, have a hot dog, good day. Um, but that's not a football season ticket. Um, what I did was track, um, you know, theoretically what it would cost to have a season ticket in one of the sections. So but hypothetically, section 205, you know, row five seats, ENF, whatever. And understanding people like to sit near their friends and that's part of the communal experience of season tickets you get with your people and you see them you know six times a year and you get to know them across years and you have a lot of fun and you tailgate with them you become friends you exchange christmas gifts whatever i get it so what i tried to do was try to get the seats as close as i could to that every game without the donation which is what you have to do to get season tickets you have to pay a donation um, and then you get to pay the ticket price so i did that without paying the donation and just buying day before or day of tickets and saved like 400 bucks. And as this was going on, like before the game in the press box, I was having people come over my shoulder and be like, are you still doing this? You're killing me. <laughs> Why are you doing this? And I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> it's just an experiment. And it started to add up and people were looking at it. And I think it was probably the point was being made there, which probably wasn't in their best interest, but it did, it did make the point here. You can save hundreds of bucks by not, going their route i guess um and this is completely counterintuitive to the point we're trying to make how do you get attendance back up um not buying season tickets is not in the university's best interest they would love to raise that season ticket number to raise the attendance number it's double income for them um but man you're looking at maybe losing i'm not saying losing a generation of fans but like you have people who every year look for a reason to not get their season tickets and like you know one more year we'll see what happens next year one more year we'll see what happens next year this is going to be the push for a lot of them, I think, to have that blank space in their schedule and not get it this year. And once you're out, it's hard to get back in because of the system they have too. So, um, you know, getting people to stay in this year is a really big deal too, but how do you welcome people back to fill the vacancies? How do you welcome people back to, you know, maybe rejoin? I don't know. It's going to be hard because as I've proven, and as anybody knows, if you just go to like the third party markets, you can get really cheap stuff. Um, sometimes you pay, may pay a higher premium if the team is doing really good or if the opponent's doing really well, you may pay more. But if the opponent tanks or if the team tanks, you may get like $10 tickets a day of the game too, which is a much more palatable price for people. Do we have a topic that might get us back in the, the good graces of the people at the university? 
let's talk about this this runway then because years ago they had a fan survey if you remember this that went i think through email to like maybe the mac first and then season ticket holders and then just fans in general about hey what can we do to soup up the in the stadium experience and it came with some good ideas i think beer was one of them and then some things couldn't work like wi-fi a lot of the stuff they did with the renovations about expanding the concourse and having better food options, that was all part of it. So, you know, better audio, better video here. But if you're going to get people back, you got to make it better in the stadium. And I don't know where you begin because they're going to have the new scoreboard, right? The new video board. So that's not a bell and whistle to bring people back with in 2021. That's not West Virginia's fault, but still. Um, and they, they've done a lot of stuff there too. Aesthetically, functionally, it's better than it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. But they got to make it better somehow. And I don't know what that is. How do they use this 15 months to make the the ribbon cutting, so to speak, for the 2021 season, the welcome to or welcome back to WVU football as big as it needs to be? How? I don't know. So how much have they really improved? I know one big complaint during that um, that fan experience that you were talking about, the fan committee, uh, was Wi-Fi. How? I, I mean, I know I don't think it's as good as what people want. You know, our my experience, our experience is is in the press box or during the summer when no one's there. So don't really know. But it, it has that improved. Have they? Where are they coming on that front? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the press. I'm in the press box. It's hardwired. I get a blue cord and Ethernet cord, and it's good. But the Wi-Fi yeah. is is generally reliable in there, and they have its own network, so that's good. But that's with you know how many people are in a press box? Too many. Yeah. But 150. You know, right. you're talking 60,000 sometimes, 55,000 sometimes in the stadium. How many networks would you have to have, and how would you do it? So there's there's a couple different ways you can do it. One, I'm not sure they want to because do you want people playing with their phone the whole game? I don't know. Um, that that kind of does water down the in-stadium experience. And, you know, it's it's kind of weird to be in a restaurant and see people eating but, like, talking to their phones and not their husbands or wives or kids or friends. I, that would be disturbing in a football stadium if half the stadium is just, like, thumbing through their phones. And let's be honest, if a team's getting boat raced or if it's not a good game, that's going to lead people to check out or be more diverted from the game. So that'd be hard to do. The one thing is what type of revenue can you draw from it? You know, that would be really interesting. Could you strike a sponsorship deal with like some internet or telecom place? I don't know. Um, could you have a revenue deal where like, listen, you can get a season pass for, I don't know, what would you do? Like a hundred bucks for six games of Wi-Fi? Like what would you pay? Um, and then times how many thousand people would do that? Not everybody would do it. So you wouldn't have to do free Wi-Fi, but the people who really want to be connected during the game, could they do it? Could it be tiered where, you know, you get, this type of speed for five bucks and this type of speed for 15 bucks. Um, there's ways to look at it and do it, but it's a huge infrastructure expense too, because do you've you got to wire your stadium and do things. It's tough. Do you work for the Marriott? Is that where you got that idea? The tier, <laughs> the tiered internet experience. No, I, it's, I, it's, I see what you're it saying. works though. Yeah. Um, I guess that I is the number one see, thing though. I think. Yeah. I, I was about to say, I guess we'll never get to the the point of making partnerships with FanDuel or DraftKings, getting some in in game gambling going on from the stands with your Wi Fi, nothing like that. But I, I I get what you're saying with the don't want to ruin the fan and game experience, but 
then again, you're you, you know you're juggling here your cost benefit analysis of do we want more fans in the seats or do we want a better game experience or or more attentive excuse me more attentive fans to the game because you might get more people in the seats with Wi-Fi, but yes, they might be a little less um, focused on what's happening right in front of them. Soccer matches in Europe have um, some have Wi-Fi, some just have really good connectivity, and the live betting at a game. They also have kiosks everywhere, but um, the live betting at a game adds a thrilling component to the matches from start to finish, too. So I've never been to one, but I've witnessed it on TV, and I have friends who've been there, and they say it's totally different. Um, and that's a huge revenue thing now in West Virginia. The sports betting is really big. Internet in the stadium could send it to the roof and imagine how many people would be mad about you know covers, overs, unders, um, things like that at the end of a football or basketball game if they're connected to the Wi-Fi. They're not leaving if they're trying to hit the over. Yeah. Or they're trying to get a cover or something like that, too. So, again, it's it's a it's a concession you may have to make. If you want to get the people what they want, um, that would get them back in. You might have to look the other way and some things about noses on screens and do that. Um, but, you know, apart from that, they sell beer now. They sell varieties of beer. They have a lot of space to move around. They have pretty good concessions. Are the prices too high? Probably. I've heard that the beer prices are pretty good reasonably when you go to other stadiums that, by the way, don't offer that very much, too. So that's good, but I'm just thinking like realistically, you're talking about major structural things. We're talking about, you know, overhaul the parking or make parking more accessible or, you know, lower ticket prices or lower donation levels. Those things aren't going to happen because that's how they're going to recoup revenue. If you think the prices are going down to get people to come back, um, I think people are much more concerned about the numbers in the bank account more so than the numbers in the stands in that regard. So functionally, what is it? And that's going to be a tough thing to do. Like, how do you get people to games? It might be something as simple as, you know, parking. Hey, here's a free lot or here's a much cheaper lot. But that's such a concession there, too, as to just lost costs as far as, like, how much money you can make, too. And I'm, I'm trying to think of what else people would want that would say, you know, what? hey, I'll go to a game if you do blank. I don't think it's making the audio better. Um, I don't think it's, you know, having a better video board. It makes it more enjoyable when you're in there. I'm not sure that you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to go to seven home games this year. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Phew. 
it's a challenge, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a thing. Like, you got to do it because what we have is a number of reasons not to go to games. And I'm not sure those list, the reasons are growing, but people understand them more now because they've been static for so long. You got to find a way to either either dress them up a little bit or make them look like less intimidating. I'm not sure how to do that, but that's that would be a priority is, hey, we got a long time to do this. Let's figure out how to do it. And, you know, the bummer is you'd like to build some stuff or, or install some stuff. And I know we're talking infrastructure for major projects or whatever. How are you fundraising right now? How are you getting donors to pitch into something that is way far down the road? And honestly, the ROI there may not even be worth it. No, I'm with you 100%. I think the, the biggest things that the things that could help out the most seem obviously the most expensive and maybe nearly impossible. The parking, the access, the Wi-Fi. Um, me personally, and I think other people, like if if they were offering, like you were talking about, in-game gambling experiences, which I guess you could get, but uh, colleges and universities can't really uh, can't link up with betting sites or anything like that. They don't want to encourage that. So that's, that's out of the picture. Um, it's tough. It's a tough situation, but like you said, but a little over a year to kind of figure that out. I do think that West Virginia is equipped for this because, or at least part of this, an important part of this, they've been, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to go back on one of my gripes here. Uh, they've been really good about access and letting the fans in and let them meet in. And I think that you're silly if you don't think that the media helps popularity of players, awareness of strengths and weaknesses. And if it doesn't make fans more intelligent, more excited about what to see and what to expect when they're in the stands, that's why they go to games or why they get fired up when they're at games. They understand because they, they saw something, they read something, they heard something. It could be on the radio. It could be on a website. It could be on a blog, whatever. But media has a part in it. They've been really good at, at catering to the media. And they've been really good about letting fans in with their social media and their and their digital stuff. That's been good. So I think as whatever that can accomplish, they're in a good spot there. And I think it's only going to get bigger and better. And that helps if you get people who know the team and feel like they understand the team. And like I know this guy. I don't really know the quarterback, but I know him because I read about him. I I understand his strengths and his potential. This receiver, his limitations. He, he's got the drops, or he should be better than this. Those things are. Are reasons for people to invest emotionally and financially too. So I think they're in a good spot there. That part of the battle they can win, which leads us to our next topic here. As we had discussed before, uh, West Virginia has has a guru right now when it comes to name, image, and likeness, partnering with Jeremy Darlow. Um, WVU and Georgia Tech are the first two to do this. Um, GT was first with Darlow, West Virginia second. Um, this is going to be a, a growing list, I think, with either Darlow or other consultants, gurus, brand masters, whatever. But here's somebody who's going to help the football players figure out how to market themselves in this new era. Kind of thought this was coming um, a little bit different. We thought it might have been an in-house employee, but this is someone who's going to have some oversight and guidance. Pretty smart move uh, and, and hailed, celebrated justly throughout the day yesterday. Yeah, I think it's smart. Obviously, you want to get ahead of this. Any as far as just the way you're perceived, especially on the recruiting trail, you want to always be pro player. And I, I truly believe that this coaching staff is pro player, that pro student athlete and them getting whatever they feel is necessary uh, or deserve it. But it, it's also important to actually make people know that you're that way, or at least be perceived that way and to get out on the forefront of this and, and add something extra because Again, this is something when you go out there and you're making your recruiting pitch, it's, hey, look, we got facilities. Hey, look, we got athletic dorms. Hey, look, we got great coaching staff. A lot of schools have that. A lot of schools have that. So it's about 
obviously relationships are extremely important. The relationships you make with the current players and the current coaches, but what else can you offer? What else, what in addition to those things that everyone else has, can you offer? And right now this is one of them, as you said, everybody, they can offer this over everybody, but Georgia tech at the moment. And, and that's gotta be something that I think once recruits understand what it is and how helpful it can be, will make a major impact on their decision. Closes the gap, too, a little bit. They're never going to catch up to some schools that are ahead of them. And at some schools, kids are going to be in a better spot, either professionally, academically, or whatever. That's that's just natural. And, like, when they get out, they're going to be they're going to be better off. I'm sorry, but that's true. Like, if, they, if you play football at one of these schools, you know, the alumni base, the NFL, that's going to be there for you because of that. And not, not because of that necessarily, but because you're good enough to, to go there first and then to make it there. Um, it's not always the same at West Virginia, but that gap can be closed a little bit by saying, hey, here's a way that you can distinguish yourself, not just in college, but like when you get out of college. I think a lot of people look at this as, you know, this is going to help these people for the four or five years they're on campus. Yeah, but the, the, the professional skills and the business awareness and, you know, what you can do to continue the profile you create in college after college is going to be really important. And it's not just, again, a three or four or five year thing for these players and for the football program. It's part of this whole transitioning outside of football. You know, some guys will play in the NFL. Most of them won't. And those guys who don't, they're still going to want to, you know, make the best of their experience in college. And, and, you know, if they can get something going, that could be their career outside of college, something that they get going when they're in school, you know, an interest they have, a brand they establish, that can be something that's really important too. Uh, I will pat myself on the back here for a second, Chris. We wrote a story about uh, a gymnast, Erica Fontaine, in April, who would have made, I'm not kidding, hundreds of thousands of dollars when she was a student athlete at West Virginia, but she couldn't. Now she's out there and she's kind of swimming in offers and she's already you know, out there brand marketing on social media and she would have been able to develop her career in college outside of it. In gymnastics, there's no like, MLB or NBA. So for someone like her and for all these other small sports athletes, it's a really good preparation for them to get ready to go and, and get this going when they get outside of college. So if you think about someone like her who could be a football player, a basketball player, if you can market branding and you can brand yourself on social media, you know, on a website, whatever right now, it's not just like you know doing commercials for the used car lot. That's a career you can start in college that could become something really big outside of college, too. It's not. So, again, it's the three, four years on campus. That's cool. It's about way more than that. And I think that helps West Virginia right now narrow that gap with a lot of the schools who can say, come here. You're going to be better off in college and then after college. Not quite as true right now. So do you think that this might kind of persuade or influence kids on their decision on whether or not to like uh, example west virginia related example uh darius stills let's say maybe instead of knowing that he was coming back maybe he was leaning towards leaving yet if he if he's on the fence and then but hey he can still make some money at west virginia because of this branding opportunity because of this name image likeness do you think this is kind of something that could keep those guys on the fence in school longer or do you think it's really just mostly for fringe guys and not really going to affect you know future pros you know these numbers better than i do what did mckivitz what's his nfl contract look like uh what four years three point something million dollars so what like 750 you think yeah something like that 
you think Stills makes seven fifty at WVU? No. Good point. Like I don't think it's going to pull people back like that. Now, people who are for a transfer, perhaps that might say, you know, what, I'm better off here than you know. I I got a thing going on here. I would disrupt it if I went somewhere else and wasn't able to continue stuff because it's not that you'd like lose the affinity of being at a school, but like or the affiliation. Um, but whatever momentum you had going towards something is is kind of scrambled a little bit. I think maybe for like Olympic sports athletes who you know before they were getting you know you can get some agreements some arrangements if you were like special cases mostly like swimmers and gymnasts and things like that um not really going to be as regulated right now that might help um how significant is that in west virginia how much are those people going to make you know i don't know but like again just because we talk about football and basketball we might not recognize the potential for you know a gymnast to pedal a gymnastics brand or trying to think other sports a wrestler for example what if they started you know peddling stuff for wrestling specific brands it might not be big sums of money for us that we think of because we're so focused on football and basketball but like relative to a wrestler and the income they can make they might be able to tap out that world so whatever your big brand for wrestling is what can noah adams do right now right relative to his sphere he's going to be a really influential person so you know it's it's important for everybody i think but like it's going to be really again it, it depends on your level of exposure to not just sports in general, but the sport that you actually participate in. Right. And and yet, and to follow back up on your question, Colt McKivitz signing bonus split up over four years, but yeah. So in a one, in this first year in 2020, he'll make 692,000. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be that with, a, with a branding opportunity at West yeah. Virginia. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, but now it still has had something big going and, he would pull the, the rug out from underneath by leaving early. Maybe he would think about it. Um, or if he was part of a venture with his brother and it never gets off the ground because he abandons it right before they launch it. Yeah, that might be a big deal. Important to remember, too, this won't go into effect until next fall, not the one coming up, but the one following. I think they're saying the rules will be put in place in January. Is that correct? Yeah. So they got a while to figure this out, too. Um, other things being figured out, and we'll close on this, Chris. Um, recruiting. I, I want to say this, that like I wrote a story I was pretty happy with. I kind of went to the, the backstory of West Virginia's hashtagging and preemptively celebrating commitments on Twitter. And I haven't had a commitment since. <laughs> so perfect timing by me. But I'm wondering if this is perhaps what we kind of expected. I think that you were early on this train about uh, a forthcoming decommitment season. And then it would be a wild, wild west when everybody kind of got settled down again and said, Maybe I should rethink that decision here, but save one or two schools who got on a heater lately, like Tennessee, I think eight top-notch recruits in eight days or something like that, something crazy. Um, it's been pretty quiet. Teams kind of flash, Ohio State, Tennessee, even West Virginia, but it's kind of quieted down a little bit. It's just a little bit of reality resurfacing. A little bit of that and a little bit of – and I think most schools, especially in the Power 5 level, have this kind of rule in place. It's – for the most part, they need you to visit before you can make a commitment. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of standard across the industry. Uh, Dana and his staff had it all years. Uh, I can only think of a couple kids that committed before they um, actually visited the school. And, and again, you kind of save those exceptions for truly elite players that it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to take them. But you, you want them to visit because you want them to see what the campus is really like, the facilities is really like, the 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 school everything like that because you don't want a kid committing 
signing without ever visiting and then being like, oh, wait, this is the place? Never mind. I actually don't like it. Um, so the pool of players that have visited is just guys that visited those schools during the offseason. And I think a lot of those guys I was going through for West Virginia, everybody that's committed had already visited a couple times previously. They visited multiple times uh, during the offseason. And it's the same way at Tennessee with these guys. All eight of those guys that you talked about uh, having committed had all visited previously before the NCAA shut things down. And eventually you're going to run out of guys that have already visited. Uh, and, and so I think a lot of schools are saying, okay, now most of the guys that are left are have not visited or we're not ready to take a commitment from yet. So, yeah, I think it's going to slow down in the next couple of weeks for the next few weeks and until we get to the point that players are allowed to make visits, which we've openly talked about trying to get kids on campus as fast as possible to, to take advantage of that. And we don't know if that's going to be the first week of June or not. I think uh, uh, obviously they have it through the end of May and I, I believe they're going to revisit that next week, right? You're on top of this NCAA stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it May uh, 13th? 13th. Yep. Yeah. So Chris, yes, I have a take. Go. The teams and the schools and the coaches who are, quiet right now who are being patient watching waiting they will reap the rewards when players start decommitting or when schools start to decommit players if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. who's going to have room we've seen such a hurry to take people because who knows when you might get ordinary circumstances to get a player and for a lot of these schools the the battle be to keep kids committed but you may have too many players in the class, or you may have guys who, frankly, aren't good enough, and well, that was a mistake. Or you may have kids who say, eh, I don't like that idea, and we're going to get a lot of decommitments in the market. A Power 5 school that can say, we're up and coming, we got a quarterback for two more years, we got a lot of talent at receiver, we got you know spots to play on defense, whatever. Um, we're cool on social media. We got a marketing guru. And we got plays in our recruiting class. Do you want to go to JUCO? Do you want to go to a group of five school? Do you want to prep, whatever? Or do you want to come here and make it work? I think that you're going to see some schools that might actually prop themselves up a little bit just because they have room and then they can be smart because others maybe weren't as prudent. Sound like you were describing West Virginia there, Mike. Are you, are you buying into the top 20 best recruiting class ever hype around Morgantown? Oh, you, you heard about that. <laughs> I did hear something about that. The, recru- the recruiting rules have changed a little bit too. Um, wrote about this. Well, <laughs> I wrote about this twice. Uh, I wrote about a story. I wrote a story that kind of went over what you could and couldn't do in recruiting. Sent it to you. Said, "What do you think?" You said, "Wonderful as always. You add so much to the site." I believe those were your exact words, right? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and then I said something that was a little bit more uh, upsetting later on in the night because, like at seven o'clock, the NCAA announced new rules. But like all these changes they're making are really smart, I think, or at least more accommodating. And probably indicate that we're moving towards some sort of back to normal, but relative to what you know and what you think about how this should work and how it is working, they're they're making this about the best case scenario for schools, especially when it comes to what you can do virtually. And more importantly, like there's no silly things in this. Like there's a lot of NCAA stuff you can look at and say, why are you doing that? It seems like the NCAA is like, that's a good point. We don't have to have that provision in place. Yeah, I think they've been as accommodating 
as I've ever seen them with with these situations. Um, the whole letting current players hop on calls and and do a little recruiting pitch is big deal. Pretty, pretty remarkable. I, I mean, they've been and because for so long they've been so against current players and, and former players tweeting at recruits or doing things on social media to try to influence recruits and now to just openly let them hop on calls with the coaching staff. Now, obviously that's a little more of a controlled environment where the coach can kind of keep, make sure the player's not saying anything absurd um, or or (laughs) too over the line. But, you know, we've seen in the past where current players, players that were on the, on the roster and in Morgantown or whatever school uh, or whatever campus, tweet at recruits and then have to delete it later, get in trouble, get a little slap on the wrist. Cause before you had to have a previous existing relationship with the recruit before <clears> you could do that. Uh, you know, if you went to the same high school as the kid and knew him as a teammate, you could stay stuff like that. But to open that up, I think that's, that's the one when you, when you noted the changes and put it on there, that's the one that caught my eye the most. Cause I think all these kids talk about how important it is to build a relationship with that. And maybe you get a little bit of that in person, but I feel like, there's a hundred, you know, hundred kids on the team, and some recruits and coaches and staffers and your family. Maybe you don't get to talk directly with these guys as much, especially on these unofficial visits, camp visits, junior day visits. It's not like an official where you get one-on-one time, but these calls you might be getting one-on-one time with the star player for this team that plays your position, and that might mean a whole lot more to you than. Uh, you know, a lot of other things that that might be allowed at this point. Yeah, and their rationale is very simple here. And they just say, basically, this would happen if kids were on campus. Let's try to simulate the on-campus experience as best as we can. A recruit would get to talk to a player. Why are we not allowing this right now? And they finally pulled that that blockade out of the way. It makes sense. The other ones that are cool, too, are the guys who have signed and who aren't on campus. They haven't been able to do anything, which is silly. And that's no longer the case now. Um, and before, for an uncommitted player, you had to, you could only send him videos or, or footage of meetings or things like that. Now they can participate one time. Actually, they can watch one time. They can't participate. But, like, that's smart. It's going to be hard to regulate. You know, who knows what that person may say or may not. Like, you're talking small potatoes right there when it comes to NCAA crimes. Um, so, like, they're not even worried about that. Like, listen, people may be a little bit... Um, agreed just may violate something here or there, but what they're going to do it on campus too, right? Yeah, on our on our campus they would. The one where we uh, where we have all the secondary violations. <laughs> yes, Abs- absolutely. Um, the good thing is too, like coaches seem to really like this. They've been they haven't complained too much about it. Like I think Brown got a little chirpy one day about not being able to like or comment on tweets of players working out, but that's just because like it's supposed to be voluntary and. By the NCAA logic, if you like or you comment someone working out and the player who's not posting or isn't working out as much sees that, all of a sudden he's going to be compelled to do it, which makes it not voluntary. I get that. I think it's kind of weird to think that that's what the the mechanism is for someone's thinking. But, like, I get that. But people seem to like it. Oh, and including (laughs) a Power 5 head coach who read this story (laughs) and Mm -hmm. just sent me a DM and said, hey, I agree. They've been very responsive to our rules the whole time. Um that's a small sample, but like, that's kind of the idea. Like people seem to really agree with what's going on. And it feels like this has been like, you said, as accommodating as the NCAA could be right now. 
Very, very expansive reach you have there with that. Humble story. brag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, again, I just love this idea because all I'm picturing, if I were in charge, one of the very first things I would do, um, not to get super specific about recruiting in this class and the next, but I've talked about it before about how there's so many kids in Philadelphia that West Virginia is recruiting and offering, and they're all, they all play defensive back. Not all of them, but like mm-hmm. there's seven or eight that play safety or corner. And you have, a kid from Philadelphia who started as a true freshman at West Virginia that they all look up to in Tyke Smith. You throw that kid on the on the call with some of these kids and him just talking about West Virginia, what's going on, how it quickly he adapted and got onto the field. That's a home run. That's something if, if West Virginia hasn't do it, do it right now. And that's the kind of stuff that you can do with these new rules. And that, and like you said, that you would do if these kids came to campus. If these kids, came, those kids from Philly came to campus, they would pull Tyke Smith over to um, the weight room to uh, accidentally walk into him and say hello and talk to them for a while. Mm-hmm. Accidentally, of course. Yes. I think it's a good thing they're doing, and it's probably because initially, let's put all these these rules in place and make sure that priorities are priorities, and then. As they've revised and revisited things and they've answered questions or asked for clarification, they've loosened it up because things aren't as things aren't as restricted or as limited right now. So I think the rules should be the same too. So hey, uh another thing I never thought I'd say in the quarantine, but kudos to the NCAA. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. <laughs> okay, well, kudos to us. We're gonna cut this under an hour again. You have a big day planned, I have a big day planned, and then we gotta be back at four o'clock for this better be important chain lines. <laughs> Four o'clock, check the website. We'll have instant reaction and whatever news comes out of it. And then uh, a robust weekend coming up, including something pretty cool on Monday, revisiting almost 20 years of recruiting classes at West Virginia, kind of a then and now thing that I'm sure we'll be able to discuss in depth once it comes out. Yeah, and then we'll all have a bunch of recruiting updates, several new offers, including a four-star cornerback from New Jersey, a big defensive end, a new safety in Mississippi, not somewhere where West Virginia typically recruits, but uh, Jordan Leslie kind of reaching out and trying to steal one, it sounds like. And on the next podcast, I I have some ideas. We we, we cut it from this one, but I got some more very, very lukewarm takes that I want Mike to shoot down. So uh, I'll throw them out to you next time we get on the pod. Happy hour content. For Chris Anderson. Yes, absolutely. That's what we should call this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, check this out. Uh, like we said, big day today. If you get a chance and you have some ideas, whether in the comments on the message board or if you're listening and you want to tweet, hey, what could fans want from West Virginia to get them back in the stadium sooner rather than later? People are, are listening. They're paying attention. So maybe they'll catch your words of wisdom somewhere. Otherwise... We're going to call it a day here. Well, actually, we're going to call it an afternoon right here and then get back in the evening. Who knows what awaits us, but uh, we will have it covered. That is all for this time. Until next time, I'm Mike Cassazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.